Working drummer. Now kick it. This is the Working Drummer Podcast, serving up perspectives, experiences, and stories from ground-level working pros. Advice, tips, and secrets on how to build a career in the music business. Hey everybody, this is Matthew Krause, and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer Sean Paddock. Sean is best known as the drummer for country superstar Kenny Chesney. Sean has been Kenny's drummer since 1996. Along with major touring, Sean's gig with Kenny also has given him the opportunity to perform on TV's many award shows like the Grammys and the CMAs, as well as all the late shows from The Tonight Show with Jay Leno and The Late Show with Letterman. Besides Kenny Chesney, Sean has worked with such rock and country icons such as Vince Gill, Sammy Hagar, John Mellencamp, Steve Miller, George Strait, and numerous others. When not on the road, Sean stays busy recording in Nashville studios or in his own home studio where he is producing as well. Before we get started, let's do our bi-monthly check-in on Arjuna Contreras as he makes the move from Texas to Nashville. Hello? Hello, is this Arjuna? (laughs) Yes, this is him. I'm sorry, I'm not interested in whatever you're selling. <laughs> I couldn't tell if you were trying to sell me something or if that was a. Uh, <laughs> what was that? Uh, what was those like Jerky Boys? Jerky Boys, that, right? Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is allergy season. Man, how are you doing? It's good. I'm. I. I think I got something. I don't know if it's cold or allergies. I'm still trying to figure it out. But uh, oh, you, you got the itis, man. You you know what's a, a, a cure for that is hanging out with Kevin Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that sounds like hair of the dog to me, man. <laughs> Uh, so you're back in town. You were in, yeah. You were all over, or you were in yeah, Texas and and Chicago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. Um, well, I kind of ba- I had to base myself out of Texas for about three weeks. Um, you know, we did that week long run at, down in Austin, and then um, we did some rehearsals in Dallas. You know, and, and did a private party one weekend, and then right after that flew up to Chicago to do a couple of music videos for our record label, victory records and flew back down to Dallas after that, because we had a, a like a show on that this past Saturday in Denton. And so it just didn't, it didn't pay for me to come back to Nashville during those three weeks. Yeah. Um, and then I also judged like uh, the final round of the Texas all state, you know, jazz ensemble, uh, high school, you know, drum set auditions, which I had done last year also when I was still teaching, you know, mm-hmm. basically full time in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area and happened to work out that it was on this past Sunday, the day after that gig that I had with, with, uh, Reverend Horton Heat in Dallas. So I was, I was still going to be in town. So I just stayed one, one extra day. And I'm guessing that while you're in town, you're trying to, you know, st- hit all the the spots and and see all the peoples i'm trying my best man and and actually it's kind of, it is your your you hit the nail right on the head it's kind of like a catch-22 um and i and honestly i didn't think it was gonna be this crazy you know um you know i i realize i'm moving to town in kind of a unique situation where i i already have a full-time gig that, you know, it's not based in Nashville, but I, I am on like basically a full-time gig. And, you know, I, I, mo- I wanted to move out here to spread my wings and, and get going on, on other, you know, stuff, you know, mm-hmm. 
And it's, it ha- it's been a challenge to do that. And I've been trying to dip in as much as I can into stuff that's happening. You know, for example, like tonight I'm going to go hit up like a couple of the, you know, CMA after parties, you know, um, you know, my friend Kevin is playing at one, you know, with, you know, he's with John party mm-hmm. and they're doing a few songs. Like I think they're at legends, you know, after the show. And so I'm going to, you know, find myself down on Broadway, I think a little bit later and try to, you know, hang out and, you know, check out stuff that's happening. But then, you know, again, like sadly, like, you know, I'm, I'm headed out of town for the next, you know, five weeks, five or six weeks, basically, you yeah. know, I think that there's a couple of things to take away from this is, you really kind of have to be flexible and and go with the flow and and try and take advantage of of the time that you have but but again it is a blessing that you have a gig that uh keeps you busy you're playing drums you're you know you're doing this thing it's it's a good problem to have you know uh also i think that a lot of times we have a hard time saying no to anything especially when there's no work and so you might find yourself in a spot where you're able to kind of take the gigs that you want to take in Nashville or work with the people. I mean, you're already, mm-hmm. you're, you're friends and you have connections with lots of uh, established people. So that's a, a really good start. You know, I think that that mm-hmm. is uh, something that I, I think a lot of people may not have that you have right now, which is which is good um, with Kevin and some other guys uh, or in spite of Kevin Murphy's uh, connection. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, like I like I was saying, like, I am excited that there's like, I think, two and a half or three weeks that I'm here in January. Yeah. And it looks like the month of the we're off the entire month of March. It looks like maybe with the exception of like a fly date or two. So I, I have no immediate plans to, to, to leave Nashville. It's just, it, it's been more of a challenge to, than I had anticipated in terms of just being able to, you know, the time that I'm here in town, you know. But dude, yeah. thanks for keeping cool. up with us on this, and we'll shout at you again soon. You're welcome, man. Talk soon, brother. All right. See you, man. Bye. If you want to support what we do here along the right side of the homepage on the Working Drummer website, you can find buttons for PayPal and Patreon, and any donation in any amount is greatly appreciated. You can follow us on social media, and if you want to be featured on Instagram, post pictures and videos of your gigs using the hashtag Working Drummer. We love seeing what you are all up to. Finally, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube now as well. If YouTube is your choice for streaming audio, every couple weeks we will be putting out a group of 10 episodes for you to visit for the first time or for revisiting the Working Drummer Podcast archives. Please subscribe to this YouTube channel and leaving a rating and review on any or all of these platforms is very helpful for us. So here you go. Here is my conversation with Sean Paddock. The last tour we were done at the end of August, beginning of September. So I've been, after a period of depression, (laughs) actually, I kind of just immersed myself in this room. And I've done a few little gigs in town. Not a whole lot of live work. Didn't really want to get out too much, but I've kind of immersed myself in here with some production work and session work um, and just getting to know my room. You know, I, we moved in We moved in here uh, last year, about a year, almost a year and a half ago. 
and I haven't really spent a lot of time in here. So I've just been down here pulling kits out, putting kits in and the and where I, you know, in the where I put the kit in the room and trying different things. Uh, you know, mic placement uh different kits, which kits sound better than others and which kits sound good for certain projects. So uh, So on mic placement. So I, I, that's a thing that I have a hard time like feeling like I'm being productive when we're, we're, we're talking about like learning the gear, learning to record that so many drummers are doing now with the technology giving us greater access to doing these things. There's times that I know that this is what I need to be doing, but it's just, it's hard to know if I'm being productive. So what might be a methodology to mic placement or do you have a system or something to Yeah. Well, I set up mics, I point them at the thing I want to record, and I will hit record, and I will go to the kit, and I will play, or noodle, or something, mostly noodle, and I try to, you know, make it where I'm hitting everything where I can hear it, maybe a loop of something, where if I'm playing a, a, a few bars of a groove, and then play a fill where there's some, you know, fairly consistent drum fills in, that way, when I'm after a few bars of that, I can come back to the computer and maybe loop it and listen. Okay, what do I like about it? What I don't like about it? And then, okay, then I'll go back to the kit and move mics around. You know, like maybe the snare drum isn't smacking as hard as I want it to, or maybe it's smacking too much. So like little increments of... Uh, of just moving the mic around, maybe put it off axis or axis. I mean, axis off axis, and um, and then listening, play more, come back, listen, and and I think it's experimentation for me. I you know, I do. Um, what else? Oh, you know, even with the kick drum, like if I need to go in further, what or what type of sound do I want? You know, okay, if I go in and get closer to the beater with the kick mic, okay, that's clicky, that's cool, that's happening, that'll work for this or for this song. Um, or do I want it a little bit just inside the 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 hole? Or do I want a solid full, you know, a front head that is solid? And what kind of mic do I want to put in front of that kit if the if of that kick is appropriate for that you know, boomy you know kind of wide open kick drum sound right. I, there's, for me it's crazy working by myself there's a lot of back and forth there's what 20 feet between <laughs> the where the the drum position and the mix position is so i'm up it's like if, if somebody could be a fly in the wall in here and see what i'm doing i'm like it, they look at this guy's nuts so here's an idea for you a step counter first of all yes keep track you know, you, you get that knocked out. The other thing is maybe like a camera of some sort, and then you could do like a fast motion and then post it on your YouTube channel. It would be, it would be entertaining just of itself. It's just like, what am I doing? Sometimes I look back and I go, well, am I crazy? But no, it, it kind of is. It is a little crazy, but it's worthwhile because I'm putting the hours in. You know, I ha there's only one way for me to do it, and that's to do it that way. I mean, I have to. I have to fail. I have to fail at things to to figure out what works, you know. And then, you know, after 
mic placement, you know, when I'm listening to the, to the drums or the overheads or, you know, I get the, first I start with the overheads, but get those in the right spot. But uh, after everything's in place and I listen to all the, the different drums and positions, and all the different mics and tracks individually, I get them or a spot I want. Then you have to go through and make sure everything's in phase. And that's a whole other thing that I didn't want to do mm-hmm. that I did that really an engineer had kicked my ass on, you know. And I know there's some tricks to that, mm-hmm. uh, using a, a cable or, a, or even a mic cable to measure the distance between overheads to make sure that they're good. But is there anything that you do to... to... I use measuring tape. I use measuring tape to get, you know, uh, my overheads, that's where we started. Actually, we started where, where's the, where's the first, you know, where's the best place to put the kit? So we pulled the drums out and we moved the snare drum around and found out where it was fattest. So it was fattest right there. Um, well, I mean, not necessarily the fattest, but what was the good general spot? Like it could be fat over here, but too fat, too thin over here. So we settled on where it's at. After that, then we pulled everything out and then I got the overheads over the kit, put the kit back in, put the overheads in and we measured where they are. So whatever the distance is across from each other is the same as whatever the formula is that is we measured from the center of the snare drum over to the overhead right and then the same to overhead left and then then we started from there but the the phase getting everything phase coherent okay was an engineer um was so adamant about it like a good engineer would do. It's like, you know, all I want to do is just put the mics on and start going, oh, it'll be great, you know? Yeah. But once he, actually, I did a little bit of a experiment with him. Well, no, it was kind of like a favor he did. Like, I sent him some bars of groove and some drum fills, and he, and his, and then I, you know, hightailed it to him, sent it to him, yeah. and uh, and he took a, took a listen, and he just started going with the trim tool and Pro Tools, uh, just started flipping the phase buttons on him. And he's like, here, you know, okay, this sounds fat here, but when I flip the phase on the room mics and I flip the phase on, he just started having a phase party. Hmm. And, he, and, he, and he called me up, so, hey, do this, okay? Go to the preamps and, okay, flip the phase button on this. Of course, the bottom snare mic, you want the top and the bottom to be out of phase. That's kind of like a no-brainer. Because they're pointing in the same direction, you know. So he's like, okay, flip this, flip this, flip this, mm-hmm. and you should be good to go. Wow. And what that did for me, what I also learned from me was that I've got all these EQs on my mic pre's. I'm not even hardly using them now. It's like everything is phase coherent. Everything's fat. It sounds good as it is. Just mm-hmm. basically flat and in phase, like mic position you shouldn't have to eq you know i've been geeking out youtubing reading you know what are some of these you know great engineers what do they do well they first of all things are in phase it's mic placement if you can get a good sound with mic placement mm-hmm. and everything in phase mm-hmm. then you know eq is just sweetening the deal you know and even when i get too drastic with the eq i can throw everything kind of wacky you know so i'm using very little eq these days 
you know. But it was mic position and face. Okay. You know. I feel like there's so many times that I'll, I'll ask questions of people and they'll say, man, just, you know, it's all about mic placement. It really is. And I, and I get that, but it's like, I, I, need, I need more information. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and we've talked about this before where it, no matter what you're doing, uh, web designing, tuning, uh, whatever, you find a teacher, a guru, someone that you can bounce ideas off. Mm-hmm. Um, off. Yeah, I mean, we got to let go of our pride on that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. I'm the age I am, and I'm still learning about this. You know, I'm putting in, putting, how many mics have I got up? I got, I got 15, 16 mics up. I'm good. Why wouldn't drums be a pain in the ass, even for a drummer, you know? So yeah. Yeah. you need to bounce and ask, ask a lot, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. Me, I, I wasn't, <laughs> maybe I will still, but. It's like I wasn't smart enough to get a mentor, but I have, you know, like a younger guy who's really into engineering and we're kind of working together. So I'm able to kind of bounce back and forth like, hey, man, what what do I need to do here? And he'll kind of give me a good direction because he's that's what he's into, you know, Um, and then we'll get there together. It's so funny because, you know, a lot of times if somebody's computer is down or their phone's not working, it's like, hey, is there a 13-year-old in the house? Yeah. yeah so, and I think that <laughs> when you get to access that information from people over a certain generation that grew up with technology yeah. that I think were close in age did not grow up with that technology, mm-hmm. that responsibility of recording and everything was handed off to somebody that was dedicated to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, for uh, I'm using myself as an example, having spent time in the studio but not really paying close enough attention yeah. to the things, thinking, when am, well, I'm not going to need to know this stuff. You know? Yeah, I think it's similar for me. It's like you. Were, I'm really into it. I'm really curious. Mm-hmm. And I know they're pointing mics and stuff, but it really becomes important, important at least from my experience, how important it became when I started getting into it and doing it, you know, um, recorded plenty and have enough experience recording, but not being the engineer, you know, I haven't, I haven't had to engineer until, you know, whenever I started, you know. Well, when did you start doing this? Doing this? For real, like you know, actually miking stuff up myself, and I, I'm probably a good ten years into this. But I want to say, like, you know, maybe four, three years, three or four years of good solid. You know what I mean? Sure, I've ten years ago I bought a Pro Tool system and started recording stuff, but you know, complete crap. Mm-hmm. You know, not material wise but like oh if i'd have known you know but what there was no other way for me to do it than just to jump in and do it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know but i had to make those mistakes to get at least now you know as a like i said maybe what three four years of good solid you know more quality usable recordings so at this point right now you are tracking drums but are you also tracking uh, well Tim Denbo was here. Yeah. Tracking bass. So yeah. I'm assuming. And you had a keyboard player. I did. Today. Yeah. So there's a couple songs I'm producing for this guy. And I've, I kind of have done it in an overdub, overdub situation. And I didn't really have a full band in here. And so 
what had happened that way. This is this is still all part of me getting comfortable with recording and recording a band. So, and there's probably guys that already do this, but I really wanted to ease my way into getting a band in here. So, with the, these songs I got, I got a I got a couple songs imported the the scratch vocal and the scratch uh, acoustic guitar and I just played my part and I got happy with my part and I'm like okay what do I want next well let's build this you know from the ground up so actually I, I kind of reverse engineered it a little bit but then I got you know um, uh, guitars on it after the drums believe it or not so because I wanted it to go to a certain direction okay so in my I had production in mind so I wanted like good solid rhythm and the guitar parts to happen. And I'm like, okay, now we can get bass. So Denbo came in, he played the right part. And then I'm like, where am I going to take it from there? So let's go with, um, uh, of course, it has a lot to do with availability too of the musician. So the next guy I got in here was a steel player. And then from there, um, fiddle, and then, um, and then uh, keyboards, piano. He just left here like an hour ago, but... I kind of pieced it together. Okay. So, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> uh, I, I, you, you asked the question, am I doing more recording outside of drums? Yes, to answer your question. But I'm kind of sticking my toes in it, you know, gotcha. right now. So, I figured, well, what good way to do that, you know, why don't I just do it a, a band member at a time right now? And, you know, maybe the next project i'll bring a rhythm section in and we'll do it mm -hmm. i just didn't want to be because that because i'm the engineer i'm the producer and the drummer you know and i should be the drummer first mm -hmm. you know but i but i'm having to think like a producer and i got to engineer this thing so it's kind of a comfort zone at this point with me mm -hmm. um Kind of keeping things under control, like a control burn. Yeah, it'll it would completely stress me out. You know, I don't want to waste any musician's time. There's, you know, I don't want to have them come in here and, you know, have something go wrong. Not that there would, but well, usually I, something does go wrong. I should I should rephrase that. Something will go wrong, but I think it was easy enough for me to do it that way without you know pulling my hair out. And I'm guessing that's part of the motivation in getting the mic placement mm -hmm. under control mm -hmm. and figuring all that stuff out ahead of time and feeling like that's a good use of time. So mm -hmm. when people do show up, you're not like, well, let me try this snare thing. And exactly. You know, he's got time for that. Yeah. I didn't have a lot of time for that. I did, like, I did fiddle in here the other day, and I wanted to try a couple things. I was prepared to do it, and I think he had a little bit of, you know, I didn't want to waste some of these guys' too much of their time, but, you know, like, okay, I want to try. I really want to start you off on the ribbon mic over the fiddle, and if it doesn't work out, maybe I'll put the condenser in front of you. But we got lucky. You know, the ribbon mic was perfect. It's like, sounded great off the bat. Why even? Mm -hmm. But, you know, when you book a three-hour session, you know, depending on the material and how hard it is, you might have a little time to, mm -hmm. to try mics, but... um probably more able to do that if it's a vocal session you know that's such a every singer not that every every singer they just have a different you know one mic might work great on this kind of mid-rangey female or you know that same mic 
might not work as well on kind of a deeper, you know, guy's voice. I don't know. So last vocal session I didn't hear in here. I had three mics up and I had them, you know, basically next to each other. And we just we listened to all of them on on three tracks, and we just chose the one that fit her voice, you know. Oh, okay. So, I, but they were cool with that, you know. They were like, I asked them, "You cool with me trying a few mics? Mm-hmm. I just want to pick the one that suits your voice the best out of the selection I have." Right. Right. So there's a little bit of you know. Sure. I know it works on drums, you know. There's a, a 57 on the snare drum, you know, and 421s work great on toms, and generally I like a Beta 52 in the kick drum. Okay. So those are just good standard mics to have, you know. But but when you you're using multiple mics on a vocal thing, that's not much different than we use multiple mics often on a snare drum or a kick drum. Mm-hmm. Of course, we're blending those from time to time. But well, you're blending them. Also, I think if you have the channels, you can you can put them there, and maybe you have that option. Right. It's almost like you know I have these room mics up, but I don't always use them. You know, I have them if that particular, you know, material wants a nice roomy drum sound. Yeah. But I don't always use them. Maybe I want a tighter kind of thuddy 70s thing, you know, that I won't use a lot of the room. Right. You know, but I have mics up for options, you know. Okay. So, you know, if you're pointing two or three mics at the snare drum, maybe you'll just kind of ABM, either blend them or choose, you know. Mm-hmm. I put a couple mics on the guitar cabinet the other day and i ended up using the ribbon mostly you know who you know usually a 57 well most of the time a 57 will work on a guitar cabinet but i ended up using most of the ribbon mic for this for this particular music because it's kind of you know a little uh not as bright it's kind of real mid-rangey and kind of soft on the top end and that ribbon mic just suited the song so okay okay and I, I, you pull from those experiences that you, you, we forget. We may not understand how all the bells and whistles of whatever DAW we're using mm-hmm. or all the nuances of, of mic placement. We're getting there. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm speaking to a broader, just general audience of drummers that are maybe listening to this. Mm-hmm. But we know a good sound when we hear it. We know we know great drums when we hear it, mm-hmm. but we also have to remember the time that we spent with that guitar player that blew us away, and, mm-hmm. and it's like we know what good guitar sounds. Like. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, take that experience. You know, use that experience for sure. Yeah, yeah, we know if you know what works and can get you there. You know, I mean, it just saves time, and you just know it works. You know, sometimes if it works, it works. <laughs> I mean, you know, why go? anywhere else unless you have the time allotted for it you know yeah. why not yeah. but you know something's working why why mess with it do you have any more live shows to the end of the year no no, no. we're we're uh done until uh spring basically i think okay. we'll rehearse again in march whatever um, yeah, so we shut down end of August and we just basically, they shut the doors on the tour and we'll begin again in March. The tour will start, you know, uh, early spring and this time around we'll just be a spring thing. I don't, I don't think we're doing anything in the summer, you know, I don't mm. know how much of that. I'm, I think it's already out, you know, it's already, but, uh, 
We're getting ready to go back on the road again, but I don't think it's going to be as hard and heavy as we did last summer. Okay. okay. But the following year, you know, will be like hard and heavy. I say hard and heavy. It'll be, you know, uh, I want to say 50 dates maybe, between 40 and 50. That's hard and heavy for me. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You're like, what? I did 50 dates, 50 shows last month. Uh, uh, but but we're, that's the thing. It's hard and heavy because we're gone. You're, you know, you're, you're gone. You know, you, I mean... I don't mean to sound spoiled by any means, but you are gone. Figure if you're gone for two or three days on a weekend, that means you're gone for five days. Right. So, so. Uh, this reminds me of this uh, the question that I had in mind, is that there's YouTube clips of you playing and people have their comments and there's some stuff you posted on Facebook and there's people commenting and, and you're you're putting things out there and... Uh, you know, obviously, the way you, you, you try and do, and or maybe it's through the different companies that you endorse, uh, and people are listening and checking in and doing all the interacting the way you do online. And some of the uh, questions or some of the comments that I I kept seeing is is well, besides, man, you sound great. What a great gig! Uh, you have the dream gig. Um, you're so good at this. Uh, I wish I could do that. Uh, there's just there was a, a common theme that kept coming up that I thought to myself, well, that's that's really interesting. And, and I, when we decided that music was what we wanted to do for a living, there's a lot of us we had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. Mm-hmm. And it is a, I feel blessed that I get to do it, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm thankful every day. But there are some things that I don't think people really know. And so if possible, I wanted to kind of get some thoughts from you about is there something that maybe people don't quite understand that like, okay, this is, I am blessed. I have a, a wonderful gig. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been great. I'm, I'm truly thankful. But before you say I have the best gig or the best life, the best job, I should mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. in the world, if this is what you want to do because you feel inspired... I want you to keep this stuff in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, like being away. Oh yeah, as one of them. Yeah, I, think we I mean it. Understand it that. takes. I mean, a gig like Kenny's gig didn't just happen. It just it took work, you know, and it started small, mm-hmm. and it took a lot of work and sacrifice to get it there. To begin with, you know, to um, and we'll get into that for sure. Yeah, absolutely. When you started, but like, what it's what's it like? I mean, yeah, you're gone. Uh, I, I don't want it to sound like a crying thing because I'm grateful for it. But here's the deal: I mean, you're on somebody else's time. You're on a tour bus that's you know weaving back and forth uh, on the interstate. You know, your sleep schedule might be a little less ideal. You know, if you're uh, you're waking up in a different town each day, or you're waking up, you're going to bed late. Like, I say late. I mean, if you're going to bed at like two or three, in the, or getting to the hotel and going to bed at two or three in the morning, and waking up at four or five and having to get on a flight, so uh, your sleep schedule. Um, uh, 
can be pretty messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, eating, you have to be kind of mindful of your diet, you know. Um, I, I, you just kind of have to, ah, man, trying to stay healthy generally. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say is being, being healthy and, and that everything under that umbrella is eating, sleeping, you know, not partying too much. I mean, I know it may look like a big party, mm-hmm. but you know, after the gig, I'm I'm on the I'm on the bus, watching you know, sports highlights, and I'm going you know, I'm eating a slice of pizza, and I'm going to bed. Yeah, and that's it. It's not you know, it looks like a big mm-hmm. wahoo, but it but it's not all the time. You know, yeah. I'm not saying don't have a good time, but right. my priority out there is you know to support that band and support the artists that I'm working for. Being present and, the next know, day and being present the next day and being you know in relatively good shape and um, you know and, and as a drummer and his his kind of thing is a little more physically demanding you know mm-hmm. so I have to kind of not you know punish myself and you know with you know I don't know I gotta I gotta have good sleep yes yeah um, I'm gone a lot you know I have um and. This is where my family is. My family is here, and I am. When I'm on the road, I can't be with my family, and my, and they're the most important thing in my life. Um, and I have to go away, and then I also have to realize that when I get home, that my wife is got everything pretty much rocking. You know, it's right. not like I go away and I, you know, and come home and I got it together so it's it's not just I mean it's hard in the fact that I'm leaving and she has to be kind of the boss around here yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. I'm sure you've experienced that uh, very much you so. know it's yeah there's that whole thing so you're away and then the boss lady is she's the CEO of the house you know you come home and she's you have to keep that in mind you have to then get the news of how are things running what rules have you put in place that i need to familiarize yeah. myself and with? it took and it took some mistakes there too it really has yeah. i mean yeah i've come home and you know i think i've got my shit together but no mama's got the place running how it needs to be running you know mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. big ugly guy can't come home and mm-hmm. think he's got the run of the place like it's, I think I've finally learned to come home and just go, okay, get a lay of the land. I'm like, what's going on here? What do you need me to do? Right. I'm at your service. Not so much like this big, you know, ape coming home. You know? <laughs> but, uh, and it took a learning, you know, and that's yeah. just, you know, marriage has, takes work anyway. But, right. you know, being away and, and having a family and raising a child is, it's, it's, it's different doing it that way. You know? it, it very much is. And especially when you want those things. Oh, yeah. It's interesting because my stepfather said to me, because one, the first thing I learned about you was your mother explained, he wants to be a musician. He values that, but he mm-hmm. also values family. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's hard to think that we, that's why I live in Nashville. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why I chose Nashville yeah. personally. But, but to, you can have both, but it takes work. Mm-hmm. And one of the challenges, uh, just to interject here, just on a personal standpoint, I don't think I've mentioned this ever, 
is that since I've come off the road in the last two years, it, that hasn't been enough. For me to physically be home has not just been the answer to the struggles that are inherent in touring. Mm-hmm. My mind was still on tour. I yeah, still right. behaved like bingo, yeah, like yeah. she was running everything, and I've got two sons, right? And she was taking care of everything, and I just happened. She's like, "No, you're home now." Yeah, take some initiative. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like, "But I'm, I am here." But yeah, yeah, it, yeah. but to, but then the 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 final step is then to interject yourself in the process. Yeah, yeah, and actually be there too. Yeah, I think we all. I think we both kind of understand how that works you know the monkey brain wasn't allowing yeah it's 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 an interesting dance that you know we got to do and you know what i am i'm i am a family guy i am i i like being here i like being home i like being around my people but the way i make a living is music and that's i have to go on the road you know i I don't have to but if i want to make a living I'm going on the road and I'm doing what I can in town. That's just how it is, and I have. If you want to, that condenser, Mike? You have to go. Absolutely. On the road. I mean, I mean, I've <laughs> it's, I've you know made a living doing it, and that's my work. That's you know my bread and butter. I have to go gig whatever yeah, it is yeah. if I'm on the mm-hmm. road mm-hmm. or doing one-offs. That's just how I got to do it, and I got to work it out yeah. and make it gel mm-hmm. peacefully. You know, or, or not so peacefully. <laughs> well, again, I, I, I'm not trying to, uh, in my initial question, in, in trying to pull back the veil of what this is that we do for people that are interested, is to say, prepare yourself, understand where your values lie, mm-hmm. so that you can do this, you can dive in, but make sure that you're checking these boxes too, because when you put too much this is just, again, this is me, mm-hmm. just personal experience. When you put all this energy into one thing and you fail on personal relationships or other things that make life happen, then... Because this is going to be connected to another thing I want, I want to talk to you about. So, yeah. Uh, um, well, let me, let me talk one more thing about... For being, sure. What it, I'm, I'm trying to think... Well, that's kind of on a personal level, like a family level. But when you're out there and you have guys you're playing with, you, I mean, there's some guy you got to gel with. Or yeah. there, there's personalities, you know. You're on a traveling metal tube with wheels on it, and <laughs> every I love the guys I work with, you know. But we're all different dudes, you know. Mm-hmm. It's that's a marriage in itself. So you gotta. Yeah. It's not just the, the music we play together. There's a how much can you hang good? Yeah. Can you know? Can we all get along relatively? Mm-hmm. All right, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, brothers disagree on things and we don't all have the same political views or religious whatever but you gotta you gotta gel you gotta mm-hmm. like i said hang you get it's it's part of it it's not all of it you know being able to be in six people six seven people or even more depending on the band in one place in one room at the same time that's part of it but you know we're really here to, you know, put on a good show or play the music correctly and make it feel good and, yeah. you know, have the audience come back next year when, you know, the tour kicks up again. Mm-hmm. It's part of it. It's not all of it, but it's part of it. You know, I think they work together, in my experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about hanging. And even you have to kind of let go of some ideas and that might, 
it might be good on, on a spiritual basis to have a good, well, to have a good uh, sense of spirituality or just to keep sane, you know, because personalities are different, you know. Your number one priority out there is to work for the artist you're doing and make the music feel good and have a, you know, have the audience really, really appreciate what you do and have your boss man really appreciate what you do and portray and have the music feel good. Right. That's number one. But, you know, you got to work on the hang part of it. You know, mm-hmm. that's just kind of, even if there's, it's part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not all of it, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, I, it's just the deal. I think maybe four years ago I had a chance to play a gig with Harmony. Yeah. Oh, you did? Family cool. Wash. Uh, and it was before she got the gig. Yeah. And, uh, we only did one gig, but we were just we were just cracking up before we played a, a note, mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, "This is going to be fun, right?" And then she started playing, and I was like, "Wow, okay, there's a pocket." Yeah, that's great. That was kind of it, you know. Like the personalities were great. She's a really cool person. Uh, she plays great, and it just it clicked. You know, we had the audition. We didn't listen to many players, but the players were great that we listened to, but. The overall hang, the hangability, and the feeling and the vibe was her. You know, that just so let me ask you fit. real quick about that, just uh, because it could be any position if it's the drums. So in the audition period, again, in especially in a town like Nashville, there's so many great players to choose from. So what was the process like? Could you just add on to that? Was there more to it than just come in, play these tunes, and go? Did you guys have a chance to hang with some of the players? No. Um, not really. I mean, a couple of we knew from just around town and maybe okay. jobs we've been on, you know. Yeah. Like I've been on um, uh, maybe a, a couple sessions with one of the bass players that we listened to and mm-hmm. another guy was pretty well, you know, a pretty well working guy in town, session player. Um, not a lot of super hang time, just like okay. called on reputation and what we thought would be a good fit and... Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't a cattle call. Okay. It was just what would be a good fit and, you know, what might be a good look, a vibe for, you know, Kenny. Gotcha. You know, it was all with him in mind, basically, you know. Right. But in well, chemistry. Because yeah, his name is... I mean, that's him, you know. That's so right. what's, you know, <laughs> it just had to work, you know. Yeah. And, and and it's chemistry, too, you yeah. know. So sure. Sure. it just worked. So this story is available, but for people who don't know it, tell me about how the gig came about. For me? Yeah. Well, friend of a friend of a friend. It's not that far from that, really. Mm-hmm. How I had found out about it was uh, I had been playing in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, at a house gig out there at a place called the Handlebar J. I booked a flight to Nashville just just to maybe check it out and, you know, maybe I was going to come back and forth to see what Nashville was all about. And, you know, on that visit, I heard about this um, gig that was opening up. And, you know, I got the information. I got the band leader's number. I got the right contacts. And I made the call. And basically, a couple weeks later, I set up an audition. And I don't know how many players I called, four or five. Mm. And... um, um, whatever, a couple of weeks after that, I'm back in town, you know, playing, doing an audition with 
the the then at that time that Kenny Chesney band, and um, uh, you know uh, it was really I got a call maybe like a later on that day and they asked me when I could start and I'm like well uh, you know let me give the guys I'm with a couple weeks you know and they were cool with that so mm-hmm. it was all pro. Uh, and this is 1996. 1996, yeah. And where and was I, Kenny at in his career? Not, you know, like a budding kind of artist. I think he'd already had a couple albums out, but, you know, really kind of early on, you know, not a, it was not this big, huge production. It was, um, you know, one bus and a trailer and whatever gig they could book, they'd book. But the, at that time when I joined, there were cool opening gigs. Like, I guess we'd, at that time, we were opening up for, uh, you know, like Tracy Lawrence was really hitting it pretty hard. So we did a bunch of gigs with him and like Alabama. And um, we just got on those and then we go play clubs. So, but there were, you know, 130, 150 days back then. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing. Man, I, did, I really didn't. All I wanted to do was check out Nashville. Um you know what I could possibly contribute to I don't know I mean I, I knew of the the talent base here and just and how it worked and what a really close-knit community it was and you know all of its you know the established players I was not going to come here and be you know I was just going to find my way and do it and this at the time allowed me to just kind of be like a little bit of a stepping stone so I took the gig mm-hmm. and it just you know there was a lot of smart decisions made and a lot of luck a lot of smart decisions a lot of chemistry and just a lot of trial and error you know on their part management and Kenny's part I'm just a player and I don't know I think it was just kind of a I didn't really intend for this, you know, when you're a kid, you dream of, you know, kind of doing something big like you want to. Like, I, you know, I'd, I'd, I wanted to be like a beetle, but they were, they quit, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I was going to be a beetle, but yeah. it's something like that. I think in but, like 1993. <laughs> yeah. So you missed it by three years. I missed it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you dream of being some kind of big rock star. But when, you know, I figured it out when I got here. I was like, you know, I could just be like a, you know, uh, a good song guy, a uh, side man, you know, um, just a hired gun, you know, I wasn't here to, to be an artist, just kind of like a, wanted to work really. But was, there was something about what you brought to the table that they thought this is the guy. Can you recall? Maybe, uh, maybe it was the, you know, we're all kind of in the, not all, well, we're all really close in age. So maybe it's the shared uh, type of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we all kind of are children of the 60s, 70s, some of the 80s, and that's all the kind of music that stuck with us. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was part of it, you know? Okay. Um, we got, we're all from the same generation, Yeah. you know, but... Maybe so, you know, maybe there was a thirst to do something that meant something, you know. Mm. Um, what do you mean? Uh, like, 
maybe prove a point. I don't know. I, I maybe there was a little bit of something to prove. Hmm. Maybe more. I think artists have something to prove when they're early on. You know, if they're really hungry and yeah. driven. I think. I think there was something, some kind of driven thing. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, something to prove. Maybe. I don't know. We all, and you know. Sometimes it can't be explained. Sometimes it just happens. Maybe it's maybe it is just random. Right. You know, I I know we were willing to work hard. Yeah. And maybe that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe part of personality and mm-hmm. luck and decision making and mm-hmm. surrounding yourself with the right people and chemistry. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any one thing that um made it what it is. I think it's a I think it's a mixture of all that stuff, man. Mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's a God thing. Mm-hmm. I, I, there's been questions that I've gotten from listeners that want me to ask if there's ever a situation where you're in a group, you're working with an artist or in a band, and there's just something about it, and you're just like, I don't like the direction this is going, and and how do you remove yourself? You're talking about something the opposite. You've mentioned a couple of times the decision making. Mm-hmm. It must have kind of reinforced this opportunity that you've been given, and 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 you're in this thing, and you're like, okay, this is good. I like I like what management mm-hmm. is doing. Mm-hmm. I like where Kenny's head is at, and you can get behind it. <laughs> For a while, there was it wasn't it's like what is going on? Is is this really worth it? I mean, there was a time where it was okay. like, what am I doing here? I'm ready to get out of here, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, you know, I just stuck it out. What else am I doing? I, could, I mean, I could always go back wherever. I could always go back to Phoenix and maybe schlub around town there. But there was there was actually a time where it was like, you know, what is going on? And I wasn't there to, like, in any hopes. I was just there to be there, you know? Okay, mm-hmm. this is what I'm doing now. There wasn't any future, you know, like it this will be great if it goes somewhere, but if it peters out, then so be it. There wasn't any pretense, you know, there wasn't mm-hmm. any, mm-hmm. for me, expectation, but but mm-hmm. there was always kind of, you know, do the best you can at that given time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think as far as decision-making, like with, with maybe he saw opportunity and maybe management and maybe he, you know, it was the time where he was the guy. He was like chosen. You know, this is you're going to be the guy, and uh, at some point it had to become that because it's like, wow, this this dude is making it. Yeah. So, but I think he had to make decisions. You know, what do I want this to be? Like, this is the direction I want to go, and I don't think, unfortunately, these guys can go with that direction to me with me. So what are we going to do? Are you going to put some, you know, I hate to say it, um, people with good energy mm-hmm. um, that can evolve and kind of evolve with it. You know right. what I mean? There were kind of, there was a there was some elements that just weren't going to happen. It just wasn't going to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. It would have been good, but it, it wouldn't, wouldn't have fit. Okay. You know, that's when the changes in the band happened. I, uh, I, they made me band leader. I was a band leader for a little while, and um, he wanted to make some changes. And I just like, okay, let's let's do this. I know a few players, and 
mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we can get to where you want, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. a little more edgier kind of rock band thing. And, mm-hmm. and we, we got there, but it, that took some trial and error too, you know, yeah. it didn't work right off the bat, Yeah, but you know, but it got there, mm-hmm. you know. But you were Obviously. one of the people that's, he saw that in you. Yeah. He's with me. Yeah. He can make the changes yeah. with me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And being, being able to evolve, you know, I mean, right. I don't know what that is, maybe whatever it is to be fairly proficient at your instrument and, you know, knowing how to play in a band and knowing how to move forward, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's just because... But you grew up with parents who were musicians. Yeah, I did. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on your history. It is available, but I do want to remind people. So you grew up in upstate New York? Mm-hmm. Yes. And your parents were musicians? They played on, you know, a lot. They played on weekends, and there was always something spinning on the record player. Mm-hmm. They were learning something. They were doing gigs. Yeah. They would let me come out and let me sit in, and I was just around it a lot. Yeah. You know, but, well... And I was fortunate to have that, you know, and that's how I learned to play. I couldn't, you know, I learned to play listening to records and playing along and also just sitting in, even not knowing what I was playing. (laughs) I just had, it seemed to be, feel natural if they, you know, would start a song and I could, you know, sit in and play. But... And they weren't drummers, but you were like, drums, that's where I belong. Yeah, they were not drummers. My dad's a bass player. My mom sings, plays guitar. Um, You know, guitar playing, uh, uh, my uncle played guitar. They were always in bands and there was music going on. And for some reason, I played drums. And they, (laughs) you know, they joke around. It's like, well, we needed a rhythm section, so we, you know, made you. So they chose you. (laughs) But... That's just how it worked. I don't know. And yeah. I learned as a rhythm section player. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't uh-huh. uh, learn the drums and all the, right. the fundamentals of it. I actually learned that a little bit later. But later, but I mean, I learned how to play beats first. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. as a you know part of a rhythm section. I guess. Sure. Sure. This episode is brought to you by DrumSellers.com, the niche marketplace where drummers, drum retailers, and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear. List your drums for sale for free, and the only fee is 4% if it sells. Simple. Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at DrumSellers.com. I had Kenny's material for a while, and I listened to everything I could, and I asked a few questions. Oh, before the audition. Oh, before the audition, yeah. Yeah. So I knew a guy in the band, and I said, well, what, you know, what songs should I concentrate on? What are you guys playing live all the time? Okay, this one, this one, this one. Mm-hmm. But I was overly prepared for it as much as I, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's what got me there. I, I came in somewhat prepared, you know. And it wasn't even about copping everything. I think it was more about feel because, uh, you know, I want it to feel right. I want mm-hmm. them. I want the players and Kenny to, you know, oh, this feels good. So, or it feels right, whether it's good or not. It feels right. right. It fits. So, I don't know. And are you still doing that now? So uh, on the gig, do you, is there room for interpretation? Um, let me a little. Mm-hmm. I think I've. Uh, as long as it feels good, you know, I don't necessarily completely um, either out of I, I 
don't know how to do that or uh because to keep in mind with the show that you're doing now the show that you've been doing for i don't know how how long Mm -hmm. there's there's video there's some tracks there's production there's lighting there's Mm -hmm. there's a show that's happening here okay yeah so basically kenny's vision like he wants it to feel a certain way and he wants it to look a certain way so we all kind of put our thing in it and it kind of just gels into it you know Mm -hmm. um it's more about an energy of thing because he comes in and he'll change things you know it's like ah we cut it that way but we want to do it this way yeah you know Mm -hmm. it's not about or sometimes it is you know on the record the guitar was doing this little thing i'm gonna i want that in there Mm -hmm. but but sometimes he'll just get away. He'll come in and like completely tear it down and bring it, build it back up. You know, okay. he's done that. It's just about a feeling. You know, yeah. what makes him feel good, and what makes him feel good, and what he thinks that the crowd will feel good about too. You know, it's a kind of a kind of a little bit of a mirrors there. He knows what works for his crowd, and he knows it's what a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, I mean, I and what makes him I think generally what makes him feel good makes whatever makes him feel good might generally make the crowd feel good too right you right. know it's about energy and I don't mean like speed yeah you know you know everything's really high and like hyper I mean energy the energy you give off you're you know it's about that you know, for it's, him no I think it's really important though because I think a lot of times people they translate energy into speed right and and as uh, musicians or drummers i think uh, uh, you know has to be fast for it to be exciting and it mm. doesn't uh th- i think there's times when an audience feeds off the energy of the musicians on stage not necessarily they're not it's not miles davis with a back turn against the audience but it's it's there's something about well what's happening on stage it it's a genuine thing you know there's yes. authenticity to it and I don't think any one player in his band is non-authentic. Mm. We're all authentic, and we do what we do because that's how we do it. It's not a put-on. Mm-hmm. You know. We, yeah, we go to the gig, and we kind of have to do this pop thing, and, mm-hmm. we, and we do that, and it's a role that we play. We each play a role, but there's nothing disgenuine about it. I mean, mm-hmm. it really, I mean, I play with intent, and it's a... It's not put on. I mean, that we're all doing our thing for that gig, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's genuine. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's authentic, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. you can tell that. That's just something you can tell. Like, sure. you know, that guitar. That's I'm. I'm believing that guitar player. You know what I mean? I believe it. You know, you can hear it in a track. Or you hear it there. Like I. I believe that. I believe what that drummer is playing. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. authenticity to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. kind of, you know, where it is. You can kind of tell right off. Yeah. I don't, you know, people that aren't musicians can kind of tell. Right. Oh, yeah. oh, I think. You know that, what I mean? That's, they, that's they know if it's genuine or not. And I think that has a lot to do with what's going on in his stage. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. not, you know, we all play a role, yes, but it's authentic. Right. With each player, you know, we all have different. We're all good enough players to play other stuff other than that kind of thing. But it's just, you know, you have to be authentic in everything you do. You know, it's not Mm -hmm. necessarily put on. But I think that might be it. You know, 
And then lately here, I've just I've been kind of been more kind of less interested in in playing fast. You know, I think it's more about feel and pocket, and not as many big fast drum fills, which has worked in the past. I think maybe it's just because maturity and getting older. You know, and <laughs> other things are more important to me. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For that gig, you know what I mean? I mean, it's like if I was going to go do a jazzy gig, I'd have to probably do treat that gig, treat each gig the way it's supposed to be. But I don't know. I just feel, I don't know, I can that I can do this, you know, maybe it's... Well, I maturity. mean, it's been 22 years yeah. since from August. You know, I don't, I've changed my setup a little bit and not because of trend. It's just like, you know, I want to I wanna do this because, you know, maybe I like the way I sound on a four-piece kit. I, you know, I don't. I'm tired of how I sound on the on a bigger kit. Let's just let's limit the kit and see how I sound there. And I actually mm-hmm. like how it sounds. You know, mm-hmm. I'm playing less bullshit, and <laughs> you know, not that I was. It, I mean, it, not that it was bad. I'm just on a personal level, on, sure. a, on a growing basis for me. Yeah, it was about growing. It wasn't about like okay, everybody's playing one up, one down. That wasn't. It wasn't it. You know. It was more about how it sounded. Hmm. In that time, is there anything that you can like, oh man, there was this situation that happened, something anecdotal that you can look to over the 22 years with the scope and size of these tours and the artist that Kenny is? Is there something you're like, okay, I will never forget this situation. Good, bad, borderline tragic, something that you will remember. Oh. <laughs> wow, it's all one big blur, Matt. Um, <laughs> jeez. Snare drum falling over, rig uh, going down, uh, lightning st- storm. I know I've had stuff like that, that's for sure. Um, there's kind of these monumental moments in in the thing, in the in the production and in the tour. Like last tour was pretty I don't know, man. It was one of the better tours we've had. Hmm. I mean, I'm not discounting anything else we've done. They've all been freaking phenomenal. But this one, I think there was something. There was a lot of things stacked against it. Well, a few things stacked against it. But it's like it clicked, man. It was a really incredibly monumental year. Records were broken. The band was gelling. Kenny was, man, he just seemed like in a good spot. And that may, I don't know if that had something to do with some of the tragedy going on. You know, he had a, that hurricane, tore his house up. His friends were rattled. He's trying to take care of his home. Uh, maybe it was a reality check, and maybe it was something like, yeah, I can still do this, and I can still be a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I don't know. A couple years back, you know, there was a memorable time with the flood when all the gear got flooded and we had to um what was it 2010 yep when we finally got to our gear that had been sitting in swamp water for uh you know four or five days we finally got to my kit and here's my recording customs with uh water in them so we finally got to the cases opened up the cases and they look like you know fish tanks so we're like we had to kind of giggle about it, you know, yeah, right, a little right. bit. And it was just kind of, 
the funny part of it was when Melvin was uh, dumping out the water out of the you know air hole. I'm like, here. So we just cut the head and we just dumped it. <laughs> we just set it down and we dumped all this water. I think there's video footage of it all, but you know that sticks out for sure because I mean that was just messed up. Did they get? Did you salvage the drums? Man, I still have the drums. I still do. I didn't know what was going to happen to them, but I, you know, they were going to either throw them in a the dumpster or whatever. But I was like, you know, I'll take them home, see if I can make them work. I still have them. I cleaned them up. Well, I took them apart and, you know, cleaned up every little thing on them and put them back together, and they they seem to be okay. You use them for like swampy grooves. Yeah, man. It's nice wet. I call it. They actually changed the sound. It kind of warmed them up, and I, I. <laughs> It, it went. Can, it went through the Nashville soaking process. Yeah, or the, you know, I mean, DW has their like superior <laughs> shells. Well, we've got the Cumberland soak. Yes, <laughs> the uh, soaking the soaking process that it went through. I didn't expect anything out of music or music business I you know mm. I, I didn't know I, I just wanted to give it a go with with maybe the expectation like you know what maybe it doesn't work out I go back I can do some you know I can freelance back in Phoenix I can gig and maybe I, you know I can work a day gig and uh, and plan weekends you know, yeah. but that could always happen. I can go back to my town and work, you know, right. I guess I could, I don't know. But I didn't have any expectation to take over the world, you know, with my drumming. <laughs> 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 but I had, very, I had a lot of intent, you know, like, yeah. you know, this is, I made that decision early on in my 20s, like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. There's, there's. I went. I started going down the road of like, do I want a a nine to fiver, and am I? Do I want? Is this what I want? So I made that decision, and I'm in. And I when I made that decision of like of that decision of letting go of it, things started happening. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was, and it it was. This was what I was gonna do. You know? Yeah. I think that's that's the thing is is there's oftentimes something we can't really put our finger on, but we're just called to it. And uh, yeah, I can't put my finger on a lot of it. You know, you're just you, you hear the, you feel the calling, and you just kind of you go and you you see some of the opportunities in the writing, and you're like, oh, I better take care of that opportunity. You know, like Nashville was the place for me to go. It wasn't like you know, there's there's towns like. New York and, and, and L.A., but I felt the pull here. I don't mm-hmm. know. I I knew a couple guys here, and I felt the calling here. It had nothing to do with me wanting to be. It was just that's where it was pulling, you know? You're right. I think if I was younger and didn't know any better, I would I would have spent some time in New York. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, I, I just think New York's a cool town, man. I would, yeah. What a... I would maybe have given that a go, mm-hmm. you know, but when I decided and I was clear enough to recognize where things were going, where the calling was, it just happened to be here, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I, and I I went with that. I went with my instincts on that one, right. you know. 
So, well, good luck to you, man. <laughs> and I'm still working at it. You know, this this is not. I mean, I'm still. I mean, I go to my steady gig, and I'm like, it's been an amazing thing with him. But it's still, I'm working hard at this here. You know, this, yeah, this takes work. This isn't just automatically happening. But you yeah. must enjoy it. I do. I do enjoy it. I mean, I enjoy a lot of it. I mean, there's a lot of kind of tedious, nitpicky work that makes me go like, do I, is this what I really want? But I put the time in and it, it ends up being worth it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I really have that, uh, I don't know, is it a fortitude? I guess it, I don't know. Maybe it is fortitude to kind of really want it and to find out and experiment and fail at it. Mm. You know, sometimes I'm like, you know, do I really want to keep doing this? And am I hitting it? I'm like beating my head against the wall here on on certain things, and you know, but something gives. It always does. I don't know. I put in a lot of time and work. And to know. clarify, we're talking about the recording. We're talking about the recording and, and being a studio owner. <laughs> yeah, you know sure. what I mean. Yes, a, a studio operator, not owner. I'm, you know, is that? <sighs> I don't know. There's, you, I, oh, I question it. On occasion, you know, am I freaking that crazy? But maybe I am just that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Never goes. So, final question: If there was, if music was not a part of your life, what would you do, man? I like to cook. All right. I mean, as as far as you know, occupation or yeah. something. Yeah. No, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe a ship captain or a chef or something. I don't know. Or a chef on a boat. A chef on a boat, baby. I don't know. I do like to cook, and I kind of fantasize and dream about, you know, sailing or navigating the waters, you know, like just maybe taking off for a year and on a boat, but maybe, I don't know, maybe I can go work on the barge or something like that, you know. It's just, you know, that time in Arizona really transcended into this maritime love. I don't know. You got. I think you also got to have a little bit of like outside occupation, you know. Yeah. To to keep some sanity, you know. I mm-hmm. think other hobbies are very important, you know. Um, cycling, exercise, yeah. just yeah. to keep, you know, clear the palate, clear the mind, you know. Right. So, yeah, for sure. I don't know what that has to do. Maybe it has to do with. The, couple of questions early on in the interview but i think that's an important thing too to kind of keep clear mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll take off on a tour i'll take off and just to kind of i've actually kept my bike in oh, the that's... bay of the bus and i'll take off and go for a rise you mm-hmm. know just kind of get away from the mm-hmm. you know the too much of the insanity of just being doing the same thing all the time you know mm-hmm. you know but and people need to know it's nothing personal it is not. It is nothing personal. It's more of yeah. a. It's on a, a you know a spiritual emotional thing. You know mm-hmm. of you know keeping somewhat occupied of something other than the thing that you do for a living. You know. Now, I think oftentimes people forget that some of the places you're playing are so far removed from things and and environment and and uh, what, what am I trying to say uh, where people are where things are you know, some of the the larger venues uh, you can't walk 
to the coffee shops. You can't walk to. Sometimes you just can't, like all the amenities, you just can't get to sometimes, you know. So mm-hmm. you find things to, you know, occupy your time instead of, you, you just do things. I, I don't know, instead of sitting in a hotel or on the bus watching TV or, you know, I, I think you'd need to. Physically and mentally. Yes, physically, mentally, emotionally, you need to keep in check, you know. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you, you can go nuts out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Boredom, you know. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. You forget. You know. We see the video and the pictures of everybody yeah, on stage. Yeah, but there's, you know, there's a lot of time in, be, yes. in between when you get up and, you know, yeah. and sound check. And you just got to, you know, read, you know. What's uh, that? Reading. <laughs> I don't know. Endless Facebooking. <laughs> reading a book. <laughs> reading a book, ladies Re- and gentlemen. Reading a book. Or, you know, even an audio book. It's okay, as long as you're occupying a little bit of, you know, if you're not completely just obsessed about your craft or your art or whatever, you know, you need to kind of throw your brain a, mm-hmm. a bone occasionally, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, for sure. So, you know, some, some sort of activity, physical exercise, you know, meditation, something to, mm-hmm. you know, keep you somewhat... Centered, yeah. Audiobooks, yeah, for sure. Podcasts are great too. Podcasts like this one. <laughs> I don't know what jumbled mess I've talked about, but hey, maybe it can benefit someone some somehow somewhere. Yes, yeah, you for know. sure. Well, you know. Well, man, listen, I appreciate your time. Yeah, glad Thank I could do it. Yeah. Glad we finally made it happen. That's you know? true. That's true. I know. In passing, we've occasionally. Talked about it. I don't know when the last time we passed through. Were you? I think it was a it was a Monday night. It was a Monday night jam. Or it could have been. Yeah, one of Tom Hurst's many ah, yes. projects. That's I'm right. Sure. Yeah, I'm glad we got to do it, man. I'm glad yeah. you come over here and see yeah. the place and yeah. kind of see the kind of world I live in a little bit. But totally. It's cool. a lot of stuff around here. A lot of stuff and a boat and a boat. It's a beautiful stuff. Hey, man. Thanks, Sean. Yeah. Appreciate it. Anytime. Many thanks to Sean. Uh, yes, we would pass each other by, and I've known of Sean, obviously, for many years, and uh, it was great to get to know him and sit down in his beautiful studio, and um, I have some friends that are working with him and just have nothing but great things to say about his uh, playing, which which we all know, and, and, and there's many opportunities online to see if you haven't seen Kenny Chesney live and the things that he does and the pocket that he brings to that gig. So, uh, again, thanks to Sean for that. Stay tuned next week for Zach's interview. Also, um, just a a reminder, uh, as we get going here into the next year, um, we're coming upon our 200th episode. It is coming upon that time, and Zach and I want to celebrate. We want to do a live streaming event. We are putting the pieces together. There are many moving parts to this. But around, uh, we're shooting for right like the second week of January in Nashville. So that's as much as I can tell you. We've got a roundtable of wonderful past guests that are going to be there for uh, just covering a couple different topics and doing some question and answer with uh, crowd participation and uh, some other fun things that we have in the works that I'm, I'm kind of afraid to announce until we get it solidified. But please uh, just be aware of that. Um, this has been a, an incredible ride this last three years with um, with everything, with all the wonderful guests, with Zach's help, with Mike's help, with all the stuff that we've been doing. And we, we kind of want to celebrate and have this thing and make it our 200th episode and have a lot of fun. So that's kind of where we're at with all this. Um, but otherwise, I super appreciate 
everyone's participation and just listening, commenting. And um, again, we've got the YouTube channel uh, up rocking where we're, we're uploading archive uh, episodes 10 at a time. So go there, comment, like, even if you've uh, heard them before. Uh, they're fun to revisit, and um, some of them are actual videos. We've got like a handful, and you can see where my hair is not so gray. I don't know if it's that if it's the uh, podcast or if it's my kids or I don't know what it is, but anyways, it is what it is. Um, so, uh, thanks so much for listening. I hope to see you around. Bye bye. <laughs>